0: In the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon travels 11 long and sometimes despairing chapters to arrive at his conclusion about life. According to the preacher, deep awe and respect for God that leads to obedience is the way to gain wisdom and discover the meaning of life. In other words, fear God and keep His commandments. According to Solomon, the best time to make this important discovery is when you are young The son of King David says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Whatever your age, Ecclesiastes sets the whole duty of man before you. If you seek God who is above the sun, you will find him and discover the ultimate meaning of life. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: vanity of all vanities. All is vanity. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian. Always glad to have you with us. Well, the author of that depressing line is none other than King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ. Today, Ron takes us to the book of Ecclesiastes and to Solomon's thoughts on the true meaning of life as he continues his teaching series, Route 66 the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, be sure to check out our digital library where Ron uses his 30 years of Bible teaching ministry to answer some of your toughest questions. Now here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Ecclesiastes, the ultimate meaning of life.
0: Well, Henry Nouwen was a Catholic priest and um, a very thoughtful writer. He, uh, he taught at Harvard, Yale, and Notre Dame. He also spent years serving the mentally and physically challenged at La Arche Daybreak Community in Toronto, Canada. Uh, while teaching at the Yale Divinity School, he met and befriended a student named Fred Bateman. who was a self-described secular Jew who when Nowen challenged him to read the Hebrew Bible, Fred Bateman said, "Uh, it doesn't speak to me. It is a strange, faraway world. And that's when Nowin looked at Bateman and said, well, at least read the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. You know that one that starts out, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Well, Fred Bateman took the challenge and he came back to class the next day and he said to a professor now I read it, just as you told me to, I read the book of Ecclesiastes, all of it from chapter one all through chapter 12 and what I learned is there is a place in the Bible for a skeptic like me and I am so very encouraged by it. Are you a skeptic? I, I know you wouldn't want to admit that, in a place like this today. You you came to church this morning, but is is there something down deep inside of you that is yet to be verbalized that is wondering if there is meaning and if there is purpose in life? Welcome to the book of Ecclesiastes. This this portion of God's Old Testament wisdom literature, uh, the next place that we arrive on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, a place where artists and scientists and philosophers and uh, monarchs and and even theologians come and find answers to their questions, their burning questions about the ultimate meaning of life. Now the reality is apart from God, uh, there's not much meaning. There's no meaning at all. It's hard to find purpose apart from God, and that's sort of the thesis of the book of Ecclesiastes, but the philosopher concludes sort of with circular meaning. The philosopher says, the meaning of life is to give life meaning, and if that has any meaning to you, boy, you're well, well beyond where I am. Uh, the humanist says the meaning of life is that which we choose to give it, spoken like a true humanist. The agnostic would say, or, or really pose the question uh, with a bit of skepticism in his heart, can anybody really uh, discover the meaning of life? Even that British uh, comedy troupe known as Monty Python and his Flying Circus, uh, they, 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 you know, searched this question and they, they put out a movie, remember the title of it, it was called The Meaning of Life. No, I don't think Monty Python uh, figured out uh, the meaning of life either. So perhaps the wisest man who would ever lived can help us, and I'm talking about Solomon. 3,000 years ago, Solomon um, gave us this personal journal a journey that he went on, and he begins in chapter one and verse two, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He uses the word vanity over and over and over again to describe his life's uh, uh, experience. Uh, Other uh, translations of the Bible use the word meaningless. The idea is utterly useless. We would not expect to hear a preacher say something like this about life, would we? Uh, But Solomon, the son of David, did. And it begs the question for us, why why was Solomon so pessimistic about life? Or was he? You gotta read the book of Ecclesiastes carefully and, um, and understand where Solomon is going and how he concludes. The Old Testament wisdom books are really places to fuel up and find rest for our souls. However, we come to the book of Ecclesiastes and it seems more like a dark detour on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Solomon takes his readers on a rhetorical trip through agnosticism, hedonism, materialism, pessimism, and even fatalism. And if you're not careful, you you get so far into the book and it becomes wearisome and you're thinking, is this even inspired Scripture? Does this even belong in the Scripture? How dare uh, anybody bring this kind of skepticism and pessimism into the presence of God? Some people have questioned uh, Ecclesiastes that way. However, I say it shouldn't surprise us that God gave us a book for skeptics that addressed the ultimate meaning of life, written by a man who tried to find satisfaction in just about everything but God. And Solomon was the right man to travel on this journey for for us and and to report back to us in uh, this writing we know as the book of Ecclesiastes. God had given him unlimited resources to spend on his insatiable desires. Think about that. You say, oh, if I just had enough money. Solomon did. He's traveled that journey. He's reporting back on the vanity of vanities. Uh, Did anything or anyone ultimately satisfy Solomon or did Solomon come to the same conclusion that Mick Jagger did of the Rolling Stones? I can't get no satisfaction. You, You can just write that phrase across at least the first 11 chapters of the book of Ecclesiastes. Now Jewish tradition tells us that Solomon wrote his love song, that is the song of Solomon which we'll uh, look at next week, that he probably wrote that in his early years. He wrote the book of Proverbs and collected and compiled the Proverbs during his middle years, but that he probably wrote Ecclesiastes during his declining years, expressing an old man's sorrow and regret. And it's true that Solomon did not always practice the wisdom that he possessed by God's grace. That's that's gonna be abundantly clear when we get to his love song next week. Much of Ecclesiastes describes the musings of a desperate man who was out of fellowship with God and who tried to find meaning under the sun. That's an important phrase. Under the sun. It's a humanistic phrase that appears 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it unlocks for us what's happening here. In the first 11 chapters, Solomon is describing how he took his unlimited resources to fulfill and spend it on his insatiable desires under the sun from a human perspective. He's tried everything. Whatever you think, oh, if I just had a little bit more of that, Solomon had it. He's the guy that is most qualified to travel on this journey, to fill his life with everything and more that this world has to offer, and to come back with a report. And that's what we have in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, time does not allow to pursue every um, vanity that Solomon pursued, so I want to highlight a few things that he mentions here, starting with the idea, again, that life is meaningless. It is a vanity of vanities. It is utterly useless apart from God, and under the sun existence leaves a person empty. That's sort of Solomon's thesis. That's his big idea, and he travels that journey through the first 11 chapters, it's a dark, dark journey, and it doesn't take Solomon long to descend into the slew of despond and to go dark on us. In the opening prose of Ecclesiastes, those first 11 verses that I just read, um, Solomon expresses his weariness with life. He's bored and unenthused because, well, he says, there's nothing new under the sun. He points to the wind that blows south and then blows north and it blows around the globe and and it comes back to the same place just a gust again. Likewise, he says, the sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. Generations come and generations go, he says, but the earth remains forever. All streams run to the sea, but but the sea is not full. And on and on Solomon goes and you get the distinct impression that he personally feels like his life lacks fulfillment and it lacks meaning. Now some people find joy and comfort in the predictable rhythms of life that Solomon talks about in those opening uh, statements there, Uh, but he does not. For Solomon, variety is the spice of life, and the lack of variety leads to vanity, which again is his favorite word. It appears 19 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon even refers to his pursuit of wisdom as a striving after the wind. We would say, what a waste of time. By the end of chapter one, <laughs> the last thing you want to do is put Solomon on your party guest list. I mean, he's no fun Solomon. Oh, what a dreary, dark, depressing kind of journal he is writing here. But let's little, dig a little bit deeper into his, uh, uh, his experience that led him to say vanity of vanities, starting with um, what we might call the vanity of wisdom under the sun. And again, underscore that phrase, under the sun. This is a humanistic worldview. This this is a life pursued to find meaning and fulfillment completely apart from God and with any view above the sun, which he, he takes a long time to get to.
1: Up next, The second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching comes from Ron's monumental series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Watch or listen to the entire series at your convenience in the Something Good digital library. You'll find that at somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, you can also download Ron's sermon notes for today's message. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Whenever you stop by, you're invited to share your prayer request with us. Use the Explore feature that's right at the top of the homepage. That's where you'll find the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. Solomon searched everywhere to find the meaning of life. He looked to wealth and women, to power and fame. He had more of these things than any person could ever want, and he found them to be empty and meaningless. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Ecclesiastes, the ultimate meaning
0: of life. Uh, We know Solomon best for his expansive wisdom, don't we? First uh, Kings, I believe chapter 13, Solomon prayed and um, the Lord gave him wisdom. However, in time he discovered that all the wisdom in the universe means nothing under the sun. Look at chapter two beginning in verse 14. Solomon says, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness, and yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen also to me. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. Here, wise Solomon sees no difference between um, the wise and the foolish under the sun, even though he possessed all of this wisdom. He also muses about the vanity of self-indulgence under the sun. Keep in mind, again, Solomon had unlimited resources to try to satisfy his insatiable desires. And he talks about this in chapter two. He spoiled himself with pleasure, that's verse one. With wine, that's verse three. With women, in verse six. You lose count of the number of wives and concubines that Solomon had. He had every opportunity to indulge himself with wine, with women, with pleasure. Even laughter left him feeling empty, chapter 2 and verse 2, which makes me think of the tragic death of Robin Williams, one of the most gifted and talented comedians in our time who took his own life. We might say even Chuckles the Clown Didn't find meaning and purpose in his own laughter or the laughter he made for others. Solomon goes on uh, to describe uh, what he experienced uh, in work, the the vanity of work and the wealth that it produced under the sun. Look again in chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, when he says, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I brought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and province. I know some of you are saying, if I just had this. Now, listen to Solomon. He's been everywhere you want to go to find meaning and purpose in life. Unlimited resources to try to fulfill his insatiable desire for purpose and meaning in life. And he achieved much. The guy had a long list of work projects that he did. And he amassed great wealth. There in chapter 2, he reflected upon his many building projects by using the personal pronoun I seven times in five verses. He admits that all of the work he did was, quote, for myself, he says. He lived to get, not to give. That was Solomon. I did this all for myself. However, when Solomon realized that he would, quote, leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it, he concluded, this also is vanity and a great evil. I mean, how depressing to reach the end of your life realizing that all that you've worked for is nothing more than a vanity project that somebody else will get to enjoy. You can't take it with you. In uh, chapter 8 and verses 16 and 17, uh, Solomon describes the workaholic and he lumps together the vanity of uh, of work and wealth this way. Look at it beginning in verse 16. When I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor that is done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night. Doesn't that sound like the workaholic? He says, then I saw all that God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun despite all their efforts to search it out. No one can discover its meaning even if the wise claim they know they cannot really comprehend it. Just sounds like a dark, skeptical, pessimistic view of life. One one more example. And um, as any skeptic might do, uh, Solomon wrestles with the vanity of death under the sun. Uh, Chapter three, I know I'm going back and forth, but now we're back to chapter three and verse 18. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them to see that they may may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity." All go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? (laughs) Wow. I mean, Solomon's perspective of death under the sun is frankly depressing. And he sees no life or hope beyond the grave. He suggests that our destiny is no different than the beasts. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It reminds me of the humanistic atheistic theory of our origins called Darwinian evolution, they come to the same dark, depressing conclusion. There's no difference between Homo sapiens and the apes from which we evolved. No difference whatsoever. No discussion about how we are created in the image of God. No, if you abandon an above-the-sun perspective on life and adopt a under the sun perspective, you'll come to these sad, depressing, life has no meaning and no purpose conclusions. And this is what we're pumping into the hearts of kids today in school and have been for decades. Thus Solomon concludes, uh, the best we can do is to live for the present and to glean as much joy as we can from our work. And to this point, Solomon writes in chapter 9 and verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work or no thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol. Sheol was the the place of death. There is no wisdom in that to which you are going. And maybe this is how the Epicureans... uh, in in the first century came up with their philosophy of life, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. There's nothing beyond the grave. And if there's nothing beyond the grave then this life, if if all it is is an accident of chance plus time, then how, how, how vain is that? How meaningless, how utterly useless is that?
1: You looked for meaning and purpose in everything under the sun, only to come up empty and frustrated? If so, perhaps it's time to look above the sun. If you missed part of today's teaching or you'd like to hear it again, visit SomethingGoodRadio.org to listen on demand. That's SomethingGoodRadio.org.
0: The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California.
1: Get your kicks on Route
0: 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the Biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible.
1: Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is now available as a two-volume set covering the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. For a gift of $50 or more, request your copy of the set. When you order the print books, you will also get unlimited access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The digital library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight eBooks. The ultimate road trip through the Bible makes a great addition to any home library. Request both volumes today at somethinggoodradio.org. Now here's Ron with a preview of
0: tomorrow's message. And because eternity is on our hearts, we cannot live life merely under the sun and find fulfillment and meaning. It will never satisfy. It wasn't designed to satisfy. As Augustine says, we we were designed and built to have a relationship with God. And if you try to take wisdom or wealth or work or self-indulgence or whatever it might be and jam it into that God-shaped vacuum in your heart, it's like putting a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't fit.
1: That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, Ecclesiastes, The Ultimate Meaning of Life. Join us then for Something Good. We're Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.